0: This show is designed to give general information related to investing in finance. Neither Aaron Katzman, his guests, nor the radio station are rendering legal, tax, or specific investment advice. If you need such advice, contact a licensed advisor.
1: And welcome to the Aaron Katzman Show. I'm your host, Aaron Katzman. We speak to you about your life, your money, and your investments. And as always... We're coming to you from the spiritual and soon-to-be financial capital of the world, Jerusalem, Israel. Yes, we have financial advice spliced in with spirituality. You don't get that anywhere else. If you've got any questions or comments, feel free to email me at Aaron, A-A-R-O-N, at lighthouse with an L, lighthousecapital.co.il. That's Aaron at lighthousecapital.co.il. You can check me out on the web at www.aaronkatzman.com. That's www.aaronkatzman.com. Be sure to subscribe to my YouTube channel. We're on Twitter. We're giving Kylie Jenner a run for her money. We are like all over social media. We're not in the billionaire class yet, but we're getting there. We're going to replace her. Um, It's my pleasure to have a guest on the show. not only is he a good friend, we actually, for, for disclosure, we actually used to sort of work together, I think. Although I don't know if it was work. We used to like talk for hours and then uh, do karaoke, if I'm not mistaken. But I'd like to introduce and Zach financial poetry. <laughs> yeah, Zach Miller, welcome to the show. Thank you, Aaron. Zach is the founder of Tearsheet, which is a modern media firm tracking technology impact on the financial services industry. He's widely read by top digital product and marketing professionals in the financial services and fintech space. He's also the co-founder of R Crowd, an online investment platform for early stage tech firms. Zach, welcome to the show. Thank you, Aaron. Best intro ever. You like that? We could do, like you know, we could do a little karaoke, karaoke Wednesday. <laughs> that'll bring a that like that, Exactly. That'll definitely catapult you into the Kyrie Jenner uh.
0: Category. Uh,
1: So, Zach is like I said in the intro, he is like the guy, the go to man, like globally um, in fintech. Now, that sounds really impressive, but there are people, even like myself, who don't really know what fintech is. They hear the term all the time, but could you start off just by telling us what is fintech? For sure. And uh, it's a pleasure to be here on the show and pleasure to be
0: talking to you again, old friend, colleague, um, play co-player. Anyway, um, fintech is actually, it's a very hard word to define. It's a simple word. Um, It's actually, um, it's two words put together, financial technology. Um, It really, I'll, I'll, I'll give the explicit answer and I'll give sort of the metaphoric answer. So the explicit answer is the, it's really how, it's the modernization of the financial services industry. And so you can see that in two different ways. You can see it from an institutional way, like banks, Investment firms are incorporating new technologies to become um, more adept, more agile in terms of servicing their customers. There's also a form of FinTech, which addresses like sort of inside companies, the financial function within companies. So a CFO would be a user of that. Maybe it's how they do accounts payroll or accounts receivable, digitizing that, payments, all that kind of stuff. I don't focus so much on that. I really focus on the impact that technology is having on the financial services industry. But more than that, financial technology, fintech is talking about, it's sort of an ethos. It's about a new way of approaching banking, a new way of approaching payments, new way of approaching investing um, that looks a lot more like Facebook than it does sort of your old brokerage firm, you know, where you pick up the phone and and phone in an order.
1: In In what respects does it look like Facebook? Like if I'm, you know, I have an account at X bank, right? What does that mean now that banking is going to turn into Facebook?
0: It means that um, my banks know sh- or should know a lot about me. Um, they should know where I bank, they should know the money held away from them. They should be able to provide me a complete financial picture even if the money my all my funds don't reside with them. So data aggregation, being able to personalize services to me as a customer, that is, makes it a lot more like Facebook. Facebook has a tremendous amount of demographic and user um, information about us as individuals. Imagine if that were applied to a financial services firm where they they knew exactly before I even knew, you know, when um, when my mortgage was coming up and I wanted to refinance or maybe when um, I had a bond that was maturing and they proactively reached out to me and said, hey, maybe you want to roll that over into something else. Um, It's really about sort of the
1: modernization of that industry. And are the banks like on board or are we seeing like a lot of startups who are going to take the business away from the banks? Yes. So um, it, I, think, I
0: think when you think of the financial services industry, for a reason, um, it's risk averse, right? We have our money there. They need to protect it. There's insurance, FDIC or SPIC insurance on, on our funds, right? There's a reason why that exists. Banks in general are risk averse. And so what happened over the past 10 years is billions and billions of dollars have flown into um, startups, we call those fintech startups, um, And what that has done was sort of, it kind of greenlighted a lot of these internal projects at banks and saying, hey, we don't necessarily see these these new startups, these upstarts as competitors yet, because they're tiny compared to a JP Morgan or a Citi. Um, But wow, there's something that's really resonating with customers there. Maybe we need to get some of that in here. Um, And so the the banks are modernizing their systems. And and the banks actually, all the major banks do have some type of innovation efforts um, that could be programmed. So... Some of the biggest banks have internal venture capital funds that they're actually deploying and investing in some of the top startups. Other ones do in-house incubation where they, um, they get smart people and put them together on teams to work on sort of next generation products for them. Um, they also do partnerships as well. And so what, what we started out as an industry, one thing we've seen um, where maybe startups were competitive or seen as competitive with banks, what's happened now, particularly during the pandemic um, banks, which needed to, um, step up to the plate and really process an unprecedented amount of PPP loans like government aid. Um, they actually sought out um, a lot of fintechs to help them be able to do what they were planning to do within two years, within a month. And so there's a lot of collaboration now between the incumbent industry and the startup industry.
1: And the, are, the, are the credit card companies getting in this as well? I mean, they have their own niche in terms of the financial sphere, let's say, um, and they're not necessarily competing with JP Morgan and, and Citi. But like Visa and MasterCard, where do they sort of fit in this whole new world? That's an excellent question. Glad you cool. asked that. <laughs> and by the way, I happen to Did own you? a Visa Stock. so I'm, you know,
0: just a disclaimer there. Um, I, think that, I think the credit card companies are, um, are positioned probably in the best space of, of, of any of the companies to benefit from sort of the changes that are happening in the industry. So if you look at what Visa and MasterCard both have done over the past few years, they are now, they, through acquisition and through building their own products, they are now playing in every form of money movement that you, can, you can imagine. So if I want to do peer-to-peer payments, if I want to do account-to-account payments, um, if I want to take a merchant swipe, they now are actually touching every part of that transaction. So a lot of these, a lot of these upstart, incumbent, upstart startup banks like um, in the U.S., like a Chime or Vero Money, these are the popular ones in the U.S., in Europe, you have Revolut and N26, which have also come to American shores. Um, behind those, at the core, it's basically an app with a debit card. And you don't even need necessarily to necessarily have a bank account. It's almost like a virtual bank account. You can move money in and off of the card. And that's all powered by MasterCard and Visa. So MasterCard all, and Visa both have the ability to pull money off of a card and through push payments, which has been become a very popular platform, to push money out to a card. So whether that means you're sending money to a friend or you're actually, through your job, you're getting paid out to your debit card, um, or you're taking insurance, um, maybe you, have an, you filed for an insurance claim and your insurer is paying you back. That can happen now directly to my card. I don't have to get a check and deposit into the bank. Wow. Well, So in addition to that, both MasterCard and Visa, I'm talking about the two biggest, they also have in-house incubation programs. So they are investing and coordinating startups around the world basically to help them accelerate up to get into the market, as well as to them to connect to the payment rails that each one of those companies runs. So they're investing heavily
1: in sort of the next generation of financial services. Okay. And I want to make, you know, we've got to disclose everything, right? Or put in whatever it is, right? But any, any company that we speak about, which is publicly traded, um, I'm obviously not recommending anybody go out and buy stock in those companies and you have to do your own research, and, uh, you know, come to your own conclusions. We take no responsibility. It's not me. It's not portfolio resources group. None of, none of us are, are recommending any of the stocks. Um, you are tuned in to the Aaron Katzman Show. I'm your host, Aaron Katzman. We speak to you about your life, your money, and your investments. Um, we're speaking about fintech today. And if you've got any questions or comments, feel free to email me at Aaron, A-A-R-O-N, at lighthouse with an L, lighthousecapital.co.il. That's Aaron at lighthousecapital.co.il. You can check me out on the web at www.arrenkatzman.com. That's www.arrenkatzman.com. You can check me out on YouTube, subscribe to the channel, Twitter, everywhere. Zach, how can people get in touch with you? We neglected to mention that. Ah, so I run a a media firm. It's called Tearsheet.
0: So that's www.tearsheet with a T T E A R S H E E T dot C O. Um, and you can find me on the web. You can, Zach at Tearsheet.co. You can find me on Twitter and uh, on LinkedIn. Is actually where I spend
1: more of my time uh, on social media. You forgot the M on the CO. Isn't it supposed to be .com? I'm like web 2.0. I didn't realize it was like a. We're now in 3.0. I I just, can I just do like a dot .C? It won't get to me if you put that .C.O. <laughs> uh, it's <laughs> dot <COM>. So it's <laughs> not .C.O. That's why I mentioned it. Okay. Can you tell us a little bit of what Tearsheet does? So, actually, around the time that I
0: started working with you, collaborating with you, um, I started a newsletter, a podcast, uh, and blogging about the, what I was seeing as the impact that um, technology was having on the investment industry. Um, they call that invest tech now, so not fintech, but invest tech. That's sort of a subsector of fintech. Um, and that over the years, it's really burgeoned into a real media company. So we have we have four podcasts now, nine newsletters. Um, we have a website, Tearsheet.co, we do events, we have awards programs, we really have matured into a media firm. So we're read really widely by the heads of product, the heads of marketing, the heads of digital operations at a lot of the incumbent banks. So the Goldman Sachs, J.P. JPMorgan Chase's. Uh, we're also read by a lot of the CEOs and founders of these top startups that are they're making a go of it, um, as well as all the investors. And in like you know, if you think of venture capital and private equity investors in the financial services industry, uh, they also read Tearsheet as well.
1: That's really cool. Good for you. Um, Let's look at something like sort of practical, right? So people sort of day-to-day sort of understand a little bit more what it is you're talking about. So I remember back in the day when we were collaborating, right, there was a company called Lending Club, which gave, you know, loans to people. And some of those loans were better than others. And it was all the rage when it came out. Today you have companies, and we were speaking about this a couple of weeks ago, like Square which is another one of those publicly traded companies which we're not recommending, right? So we've seen sort of, I'll let you explain how both of those companies work, like Lending Club to Square, but it's almost like a new generation uh, of lending and blowing that out to a much bigger um, company and and touching on lots of different um, services they provide with people. Um, Can you speak about that a little bit, those two companies, just to give sort of an example to, to, to the viewers of what it is and practicality that we're talking
0: about? Sure, so I guess we'll start with Lending Club. Um, that was one of the first really, I would say, yeah, one of the first publicly traded um, fintech companies to make it to market. Now, fintech is a misnomer, right? The financial services company industry has always consumed technology, like, and they're always, and it's been one of the industries that's been powered by technology. If you think about trading, or you think about execution or risk management, like. The financial services industry always had technology. So when we talk about fintech, we're talking about sort of this, this next generation of technology, which is facing the consumer, not necessarily in the back office. So Lending Club really was that first generation fintech company, standalone company. They started with peer-to-peer loans. The idea was that, you know, if Aaron, well, will use somebody else. If Karen wanted to uh, refinance her credit card debt, um, she could create a profile on Lending Club say I need $15,000, I'm willing to pay X percent on that. And the idea was in the early days that her peers would come in and, and basically take a piece of that that loan. It would be fractional, you know, fractional pieces of that loan and she would get her $15,000 and over one to three years, whatever the, 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 the term was, she would pay them back. Um, And that grew to be a billions of dollars, that grew to be a billion dollar industry over time it matured and it became what they called marketplace lending. So it wasn't just individuals like you and me, um, but it was uh, entire investment pools were put together professional investment pools to actually allocate funds to so this because you got a, typically a better, it was a it was a higher risk. Uh, it was a higher risk borrower. And so they got better rates. And the idea was um, entire funds and hedge funds, private equity funds, they raised money to actually to deploy there. Um, they went public at, a, at sort of a peak. And then, um, and then the industry kind of um, has been going through sort of its own, trying to find its own feet. Part of the challenge with with a standalone company like a lending club is they didn't have sources of their own funds. Right. So like, the beauty of banking is banking has deposits. And so the deposits are all, it's, it, they call them almost like permanent funding. So you have deposits, which are typically sticky. And the way a bank makes money is by lending that out and making money on the spread between what they pay and what they, they have to pay out. So Lending Club didn't have that. And actually just a few months ago, Lending Club um, made a purchase. I don't think it's closed yet of buying Radius Bank. So this was actually a big move of a, fin- it's actually one of the first examples of a FinTech company buying a bank happened to be sort of a, next generation bank, but if it had a banking license, everything like that, because they're, everybody needs at the end of the day, a source of funds, right? They, it, to be able to control your own destiny in life, you need to be able to control sort of your scenario. That's Lending Club. Um, and then if you t- think of Square, now Square is interesting. Square was founded by, almost as a side project of the CEO, Jack Dorsey of Twitter. Um, he's actually CEO of two public companies at the same time, which I don't know how that's allowed or legal, but he does that, must be an incredible time manager. Um, square is really interesting. So, you know, if you, if you've been to a corner, a small shop, uh, and you went up to pay for something and you wanted to swipe a card and you saw maybe a tablet there with a swipe, a credit card swipe, likely that was powered by, by square. The idea was instead of getting a merchant account and getting those old people, you know, those hardware, do you remember in the old days, they had the carbon copy stuff, right? So even the modern version of that is kind of like a big clunky, you know, handheld device where you swiped it. It could take months for a merchant to be able to get an account they need a bank to underwrite and stuff like that's so what square did was say you know what we can get you one of, we can get you a device within two or three days um and you don't need to be able to manage this clunky piece of hardware it actually looks like something like this like but instead we'll give you a little thing that you can plug into your ipad or into your phone and just take a swipe it's beautiful um so million you know i don't know how many merchants but it grew like wildfire um, so every small merchant could be able to take credit cards because all the all the trends show that people want to pay more and more with, with either with credit or debit depends where you are. Um, then Square said, well, you know what, now that we have merchants using, there's billions of dollars going through it, maybe we'll get into lending business, right? So they, a merchant that's using it, they can see, you know, how much funds they typically get in a month. They can actually lend against that in the same way Amazon does actually this for small businesses as well. Um, and then they started getting to the front end of it, saying, well, if people are paying, maybe, maybe consumers want to get in on this. Maybe consumers can get an app, almost like a Venmo app, which is very popular. It's called Cash. Square has a Cash app where basically it keeps, it keeps all the money in the ecosystem. So if I want to pay a merchant and I have a Cash account, um, I can pay directly from my phone. I don't even need to swipe a credit card. Um, and, and there's all kinds of incentives to use the Cash account. There's money off. There's, some, there's rebates and things like that. Um, Cash. The app also allows you to buy cryptocurrency, and I would caution our listeners against you know yeah,
1: we think investing in something money, that risky. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um,
0: but directly from your phone in like two clicks, you don't need to understand all the other stuff. You actually have an account. It's very easy. It's one of the easiest. By it's actually a very good business for Cash because um, they make a they make a commission on it. They I think they make they made a hundred million dollars last year, I believe, something like that, and profit off of that. Um, so Cash. So so. So if you think of, of both of these companies, um, these are, neither has a banking license, both handle billions of dollars, both have become very influential in the financial services industry, and yet aren't banks. And so it just, to me, has shown the power of, and the ability for a new brand and new technology players. These are technology people, they're not financial people. None of them came out of the financial industry, which is really interesting, um, who are, are making a go
1: at competing against some of the, some of the biggest players out there. That's amazing, Boy, the world has changed. I still long for the days where I had my little passbook and every time I deposited money in the bank, I would, they would stamp it and I made like $4 and I was so happy. And now remember, it's gone. Remember we had interest rates of eight to 12%? False. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, wow, that's fascinating. I, I'll tell you, yeah. this is fascinating. I think we should get you back on because this is really interesting topic. And I think a lot of people, like the insiders know about it, but people just like regular people, um, they sort of see it happening, but they don't understand all the the different elements, anima- all, all the different elements, and all the different features that they can actually tap into to really make their lives. I don't know, it's e- I guess easier, right? Does I guess it's supposed to make your life easier? I guess that's the goal. But uh, as an alternative, I, I think that possible. I think that
0: is the goal. I think I think if you wake up now and you look, especially with COVID, great branches were shut down. How do you how do you how do you bank? How do you get a loan? How do you um, how do you how does your business you know deal with with you know your finances at this point so I think what what's happened is consumers and businesses can both in America or beyond whoever wherever our listeners are, are um, there's so many more choices you have now like so basically what's happening is you have banking is becoming more and more niche to my needs right so maybe I'm in the construction industry and there's all kinds of needs about cash flow in construction industry there's like banks now that are digital banks that are focusing entirely on my needs and the products and the services they're offering are entirely, they understand my workflows and my, and my cash flows and they can provide services towards that. If I'm a freelancer and I work, or I work in the gig economy, there's a multiple, there's options now of, of, of ways I can bank that help make my life easier. How do I, how do I issue invoices? What if I need, what if, what if my, tight, my cash flow gets tight and I need to, I need, I need to tap my cash two or three days before I get paid. They have all kinds of things out there now, um, and so I think I think that the winner at the end of the day. I can't speak to any of the companies. I don't know which of these companies will be winners,
1: but I think at the end of the day, consumers are, are win because they have more options. Cool, cool, fascinating, definitely fascinating. Zach, once again, how can people get a hold of you? Uh, TearSheet.co. That's TearSheet.co for all of you uh, people like me. Co. No need for the commanding <laughs> officer. Commanding officer. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks so much for joining us, Zach. It was really, really fascinating. Thanks for having me, Aaron. My pleasure. You've been viewing The Aaron Katzman Show. I'm your host, Aaron Katzman. We speak to you about your life, your money, and your investments. And as always, if you have got any questions or comments, feel free to email me at Aaron at lighthouse with an L, lighthousecapital.co.il. That's Aaron at lighthousecapital.co.il. You can check me out on the web at www.aaronkatzman.com. That's www.aaronkatzman.com sure to subscribe to my YouTube channel. We're on Twitter. We're all over social media. Zach, thanks a lot, and we'll speak to you all really, really soon.